welcome to Best Fit Careers with your host Saurabh Nanda, your podcast for all the information that you need to solve your career and education queries. For most MBA aspirants, their journey begins with tackling a standardized test, whether it is the GMAT, GRE or an Indian test like CAT or ZAT. In this episode, I will share with you insights into these tests, their various nuances, how they are not the same as other entrance tests you might have taken earlier when you were younger. In the last two episodes, I shared details about the MBA journey in India and abroad. It stressed on the self-evaluation before you actually take on the MBA process. I am inviting another guest today, Mr. Anish Passi, an IIM Ahmedabad alumnus with 7 plus years of test prep analytics and training experience under his belt. He has scored a 760 on GMAT and a 99.55 percentile in CAT. He is the top GMAT writer on Quora with more than 1.1 million views on his answers. Today, he shall share tips for an applicant and the various behavioral aspects of the test taking will be discussed. So let's dig in. Okay, so first off, let's discuss what are the differences and similarities uh, between CAT, GMAT and GRE. Well, in order to keep this discussion simple and productive, I am going to discuss GMAT versus GRE versus CAT. I'm not uh, taking into consideration any other Indian test because most of them uh, fall into a similar category. Uh, well, there are certain nuances, uh, you know, differences between CAT and ZAT and SNAP uh, and any other test that you might be thinking of. But CAT is generally the most popular test taken by aspirants in India. So I'm going to stick to that one. All right. Now, first of all, you need to understand why you need to go for a certain test. All right. These standardized tests, they lead you to the interview round for a management program that you are interested in. Now, which management program are you interested in is the starting point for your MBA journey. And that is where you will understand which test is more suited to you. If you are a fresher, if you have just completed your college or you are still in college and you want to go for an MBA right after that, you can pursue an MBA from a top B school in India right after your graduation without having any work experience. And I've stressed on this quite a lot in all my podcasts and different sessions that I take that India is probably the only major economy in the world where you can do this. That is go for a very amazing MBA course right after college without having any work experience. So if you are in that category, CAT is the best option for you. Why? Because it gives you direct access to IIMs, MDI, SPGen, XLRI. Well, not XLRI because XLRI takes ZAT. But all these other colleges, including FMS, take CAT scores. Having said that, if you're a fresher, then a GMAT or a GRE score also works for you. Why? Because there are programs, for example, the Young Leaders program offered by ISB, which will accept freshers having a good GMAT or a GRE score for their YLP program, which means that you can apply while you're in college or just completed college. And if you get selected in ISB, then you can join ISB after 21 months of work experience post your selection or post your college actually, which usually coincides. So 
a GMAT or a GRE score will help you in that as well. And you need to understand that ISB does not accept CAT scores. So these are just some of the nuances about Indian schools. If you talk about B schools abroad, if you're going for the flagship MBA program of any school, then you need to have at least two years of work experience. And this is standard for almost all the major B schools across all major economies in the world. However, various B schools, they have realized that this is a big business case that a lot of people want to study management, but they don't really have work experience. So in order to cater to them, a lot of universities have started programs such as MIMs, Masters in Management, or they have started programs like one year MSc in Marketing Management, etc, etc, wherein you can apply with the help of a GMAT or a GRE score. So if you're a fresher, then you need to understand what you are targeting, where you want to go, which schools, which programs, and then choose one of these three tests. Now, getting into the composition of these tests, CAT is an Indian test which is uh, conducted by the IIMs, and uh, I've shared the link uh, in the show notes as well. You can have more details about it. But generally speaking, every uh, major institute has its own cutoffs. They have their own weightage uh, for different aspects, whether it is your marks in high school or in graduation, your work experience and so on. Combining that with your CAT score, they come to a point where they can make a decision whether to accept you for this program or not. Uh, almost a decade ago, it was uh, a test which was taken uh, on paper. It is now completely computer-based. It used to be conducted twice a year, but then they changed it again to once a year. Will it be once a year only now? We don't know because the Indian education system, the Indian testing uh, system keeps changing, keeps evolving, and you need to be abreast with that, all the changes. Now, coming directly into the various sections of the CAT exam, there are primarily three sections. One is the verbal ability and reading comprehension section. Second is the data interpretation and logical reasoning section or DILR. And the third one is quantitative aptitude or maths section. In the VA section, you will be asked questions on, on different types, uh, such as para jumbles, para summary, sentence correction, inferences, reading comprehension based questions. And uh, all these questions will also have subtypes like they will ask questions based on vocabulary also. In DILR, you can expect questions of different types um, of logical problems, wherein things like blood relations, seating arrangements, syllogisms, then you have to interpret graphs or pie charts, tables, and then answer the questions based on them in that particular section. Finally, the quantitative aptitude or the math section, wherein you can expect questions on algebra, mensuration, geometry, time and work, number system. Now, if you look at these things, they are more or less the syllabus that you have completed till 10th standard in India. So you need to start from there. You need to really work on your basics and fundamentals and the syllabus mostly is limited to 10th standard. However, you might not have studied those questions in school directly, but the curriculum is till 10th grade. Okay, now the scoring. Uh, well, CAT is also special because uh, its its question types are slightly different. Um, they not only have MCQs, they also have a section or a type of question which is called type in the answer questions or TITA. As, well, TITA, TITA, however you pronounce it. 
These questions are also asked in all of these three subsections in the CAT exam. Uh, there is negative marking in CAT. There is plus three for correct answers and negative one for incorrect answers. All, each of these sections takes 60 minutes. So in all, you're sitting for three hours for the test. And uh, in English, you have 27 MCQ and seven TITA questions. In DILR, 24 MCQs and eight TITA questions. In quantitative ability, 23 MCQs, 11 TITA questions. And if you want to go much further in detail, I'm sharing a bunch of links in the show notes. Please go through it. The cost of the CAT exam is rupees 2000 for general category and rupees 1000 for SEST category. Moving on to the next major test that we're going to discuss today, the GMAT. Now, the GMAT is conducted by um, this organization called GMAC, which uh, the official website for them is mba.com. So you can clearly understand that this is only made for MBA and management related programs. GMAT has been there for quite a few decades now, and it is one of the most recognized tests across the world, one of the most preferred tests across the world. Now, what is the format? Again, similar format. There's a verbal section, quant section. Then there are two separate sections. One is an AWA, which is analytical writing assessment. Then the last one is called IR or integrated reasoning section. AWA section is where you will be given a small case and you need to um, deconstruct the case, find out whether the case actually makes sense or not, whether the argument made by the author is sound, how will you know whether the argument is sound because there might be some reasoning available for it, there might be some assumptions made, the assumptions might be faulty in nature, and what inferences can you draw and how can you improve the case, how can you improve the argument made by the author, all these things you need to write in the AWA section, which is scored out of six. The IR or the integrated reasoning section in GMAT is, well, in a way similar to DILR of CAT, but not exactly. Why? Because there is more comprehension of text in the form of emails. At the same time, uh, the IR section is uh, scored out of 1 to 12. But for each, getting scoring each mark, you might need to um, answer a group of questions. So even if you get one question wrong, you will not get the score. For example, there's a group of questions um, based on a particular data set or uh, an email text uh, which has been given to you. There might be three questions asked. Even if you get one question out of those three questions wrong, then you do not score in that particular question set. So that is the IR section. Again, 30 minutes. AWA is 30 minutes. Verbal and quant, they are one hour each. Now, verbal and quant, they are scored between 6 to 51 and you get uh, 62 minutes for quant, 65 minutes for verbal. Now, why is the score between 6 to 51? Well, that's a detailed conversation we can have some other time, but you can read more about it on GMAC. Um, the quant and verbal sections earlier, along with the AWA sections, used to be fixed in a format, but now you have a choice. You can choose which section to attempt first and which section to attempt last. You do not take the verbal section towards the end because the verbal section is the Achilles heel for a lot of Indian aspirants. And it costs 250 US dollars. The third test that we're going to discuss today is the GRE. GRE also has a verbal reasoning section, a quantitative reasoning section, an AWA section, which is analytical writing assessment. But the AWA section in GRE is a longer section because it has two questions in it. Each question takes 30 minutes. 
One is very similar to GMAT, wherein an argument is presented to you, a case is presented to you, and you need to deconstruct it. The other one is issue analysis, wherein a prompt will be given to you, a single sentence maybe. Um, for example, honesty is the best policy. Now you need to write about honesty is the best policy in around uh, 30 minutes, which is roughly 500 to 600 words or one side of an A4 size sheet. Okay, now how is GRE, Verbal and Quant and AWA scored? Well, uh, the verbal and uh, quant sections, they both have 20 questions each. They give you 65 minutes each and the scoring is between 130 to 170, which brings your total score out of 340. And a good GRE score for an Indian male aspirant will be something 330 plus, at least. AWA is scored out of 0 to 6. However, GRE is also slightly different from the previous two tests that we discussed. There is an unscored section in GRE which also has 20 questions. It is um, sometimes called the research section also because the people at Pearson and GRE, they are just looking at the responses of people and doing their own data analytics to understand which questions work, uh, which questions don't work and so on so that they can improve the test later on. This section is of 35 minutes and unfortunately you cannot skip the section, you cannot ignore the section, you have to take it as part of the GRE test. GRE costs $205 USD. So your overall score for GMAT will be something like uh, something out of 800 plus something out of 6 for AWA and something out of 12 for IR. Your overall score for GRE will be something out of 340 and then something out of 6 for the AWA section. Your overall score for CAT will be a percentile score which is primarily accepted, not the raw or scaled scores. In the previous episode with Kaushik, we had also discussed the fact that if you take the GMAT or GRE in India, then your scores are bound to be slightly different from the fact that if you take, if you had taken the GRE or GMAT test outside India, just because the number of test takers from India is huge and Usually people perform very well in the math section or the quant section. So your scores are normalized and your scores are compared with the rest of the world and then they are modified. Another aspect of GMAT and GRE is that both the tests help you apply to certain schools or send your scores, communicate your scores to certain schools without charging any money, any extra money. You can send your GMAT and GRE scores to five business schools at the time of taking the test itself, which actually saves you a lot of money because otherwise the average um, amount that you need to spend in order to send scores or communicate scores to a B school can be anywhere between $20 to $30. So you essentially save around 150 USD while taking the test. So it becomes more important to be sure of which schools you're applying to so that your money is saved and you are doing it in a very efficient manner. Now, which test to choose? Well, depends completely on you, completely on the program that you're going for and completely on what you want out of your future. Now, one more thing that I will tell you about CAT, GMAT and GRE, the preparation is very similar. 
In GMAT quantitative, there is a different type of question called data sufficiency. In GRE, it focuses a lot on verbal ability. If you have to choose between GRE and GMAT as to which one is better for you, if you're not very comfortable with vocabulary, I will not recommend that you go for GRE. However, if you are not very comfortable with a lot of critical reasoning, GMAT might be tougher for you. When it comes to maths, CAT is the toughest, then GMAT and then GRE. And you might ask, so GRE and GMAT ask for AWA sections, you need to understand uh, essay writing and so on. What does CAT do? CAT does not test essay writing in the test itself. However, certain other Indian tests like ZAT do test that. But most of the major IIMs today, they have in their candidate selection programs, one way or other, they do ask you to write a small essay it might be uh, similar to the AWA in GMAT where you have to deconstruct a case or it might be similar to an issue analysis wherein a topic is given to you and your general awareness is also tested. So the syllabus, the curriculum for all these three tests is very similar. Now I want to talk deeper about this, about what causes stress and challenges, how do you approach the test, how much time do you need to take with the help of Today's guest, Mr. Anish Passi. Hi, Anish. How are you? Hi, Saurabh. I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And I'm so happy that you're here. Uh, thank you so much for taking out the time to discuss the nuances behind test taking and all the associated things. And which brings me to a point, Anish, uh, I was, when I was researching your profile and, you know, went through that uh, website, gmatco.com, uh, I found a very interesting article by you, a very interesting post indeed. You compared preparing for GMAT to learn how to do a headstand. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? <laughs> sure, Saurabh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm myself very uh, fond of that article. Let's say a very unfit person goes to a good yoga trainer, a very unfit person. And the person asks, um, could you please help me do a headstand? Right? The, the trainer, if it's any good, won't reply with, all right, bring out a mat, put your head on the mat, and then I'll teach you how to start. If the trainer's any good, he'll probably tell the person that you first need to work on your fitness, your strength, and then we'll focus on how to actually do the headstand on the mat. It just so happened I was searching on Google a while back for how to do a headstand for beginners. It wasn't for myself, by the way. So when I saw the results, each and every result started on the mat. Every result on the first page, whether it's a YouTube video, a WikiHow article, they all talked about how to place your head in your fingers, how to level your body, go slowly. They talk about patience and everything, but it's still about the technique to do a headstand. And I was very clear in my search string how to do a headstand for beginners. So it seemed to me that their definition of beginners was a person who already has the strength and the other requirements, just that. The person doesn't know how to do a headstand. And me, given that I am a GMAT tutor, I was able to relate that entirely with what happens in the GMAT world. Whenever a person is starting their GMAT preparation, the courses and everyone typically focuses on the concepts, which can be related to the technique. But often people don't even think about the skills side of things, which I would compare with the strength. And the difference here is that as far as the headstand is concerned, it's still easier for us to understand that, oh, we anyway need the strength, right? It's not hidden or it's not something which is unclear to us. 
When it comes to the GMAT, many times we don't even realize that it's that stage that we are faltering at. And we continue to work on our concepts and we continue to practice question after question, not even realizing that the problem actually lies somewhere else. It's like, let's say, a very unfit person goes to a trainer and the trainer day in and day out tells that person, no, put your head on the mat like this, change your angle a little, little bit, do that, do this. It's not going to work, right? That technique will not compensate for the lack of fitness. Similarly, concepts will not compensate for the lack of skills. So that's what that article was about, just to kind of help people Notice that there are actually multiple layers at play and it's not just about concepts. What I understand from that is, Anish, that even though GMAT, GRE, uh, CAT, these tests are taken by people who have had some life experience. And when I say life experience, I mean, I'm also talking about test taking experience. And they have succeeded or failed at different kind of tests. And after having that experience, even after having that experience, they are not able to understand or interpret their performance in such a way where they are not able to identify the skills which they lack before going for, uh, you know, the next level of tests, which I would say, you know, are GMAT, GRE and CAD, because they kind of define your professional journey to a large extent. Why do you think that happens? That's a good question, Saurabh. Um, A couple of things I can think of that are at play here. One is the whole mentality of scoring versus learning. If I'll be honest with you, at least till my school, I didn't even know I didn't even know that there was a difference between these two things. For me, scoring and learning meant the same thing. And in fact, I mean, you probably did this also. If you recall, for example, in class 10th, right before our boards, the thing that we all did, or at least uh, most of the people in my batch did, we used to go and buy those 10-year questions booklets, which had questions from the past 10 years. And our entire focus, our entire focus over that course of the exams was to go through those questions, try to figure out patterns, trends, and understand what questions might appear this year. So think about it. At the time when exams are at peak, when we are about to kind of finish the year, learning is not even there in the picture. It's all about finding questions, learning their answers, and just going and rewriting those answers. Now, when it comes to these tests, GRE, GMAT, CAT, one difference is that they're well-designed tests. These tests cannot be hacked. So here we can't find those trends, we can't find or memorize answers and just go and write answers from our memory. We need to understand and then be able to answer questions. So that's where already problems start the way to approach these tests itself is different. In school, we've kind of, that's how learning worked. We always hacked through the system. At least I did. Right? I never focused on learning. So that's one, the whole mind difference between scoring and learning. And for doing well on these tests, we need to have a learning mindset. Why? Because they are well-designed tests. They can't be hacked. Another difference there are a lot of extra decisions that we have to make when it comes to these tests. Our school schedule is de- defined from day one. We know what's going to happen on the first day. We know when midterms are going to be. We know when the finals are going to be. We get those timetables for the first exam and everything, right? It's all chalked out for us. The GMAT, for example, we need to decide 
when I want to take the test? Do I want to take it while I'm still in college? Do I want to work for a couple of years, then take the test? So already those decisions are starting, right? It's no longer a clear path, a clear set of steps that everyone follows. Beyond that, for example, for these exams, it's also now becoming, should I take the test online? Should I take it at home? Another variable, do I apply to round one? Do I apply to round two? Do I apply this year? Do I apply next year? What date should I book? All these additional variables add extra complications to the whole process. They're not big decisions, but still, they do play a part, right? So it's not just about, okay, everyone is doing it, so I'm also doing it. Now, it's different because now the entire batch is not preparing anymore. Someone might have decided they're not even going to go for an MBA. Someone might have joined a startup. Someone might have started a startup. Someone might be working in the corporate. So everyone's kind of in different boats. Someone might have actually taken a break altogether to prepare for these exams. So I think now that they don't have that peer group anymore, and plus all these varied decisions that they have to make, I think these things complicate the whole process more. So what I understand from that particular answer, uh, Anish, is that uh, preparing for such a test is a very personalized journey now because everyone has their own ways uh, of learning. Everyone's uh, you know brains uh, react to different situations and uh, questions in a different manner. And that is what forms the foundation for your GMAT GRE prep journey, right? Now, what are the challenges behind or... I would say, what are the challenges in the process of this personalized learning for a standardized test, especially for an MBA standardized test? So one challenge itself is the decisions that I talked about already. Apart from that, I'll give you an example. Many people, most of the students I have interacted with start off with a target date and a target score in mind. In fact, on my website, when anyone fills out a one-on-one coaching form, I ask in that form, what's your target date? What's your target score? Typically, the score would be very high, something like 740, 750. And the target date would be something like within the next three or four months. And their current score, if they've taken a test recently, the current score would be at least 100 points away from that. That's usually what happens. Now, the question that I ask them is, how did you decide that these three or four months will be enough for you to get to the score that you're targeting. And typically the answer is, oh, that's what my friends did. That's how long people took on the internet. I saw on GMAT Club, I saw on different websites. And I think this is already where a big problem starts because not everyone is at the same starting point. And starting point is actually much more complicated here than just looking at what was my education background, Oh, he's also an engineer. I'm also an engineer. Doesn't mean we're at the same starting point. Plus, I'll give you another example. And I'm used to taking a lot of analogies. So I hope it doesn't become too much. Let's say I decide to get six-pack abs. Sort of. hmm? So now I can either decide that I'm going to continue working out till the day I get that six-pack abs. Or I can decide that I'm going to put in my everything over the next three months. And let's see where that gets me. But it doesn't make sense for me to decide I'm going to get six-pack abs within the next three months. That would depend on what my current level is, what kind of efforts I'm going to put in over the next three months, and so many other variables, my diet, my sleeping habits, all those things, right? 
So it doesn't make sense to have both these things together. Yet that's how many people prepare. And that leads to large amounts of stress. Because then if they don't get that target score within, let's say, the three-month period, then they're kind of nowhere. Then they don't understand how to proceed. And it's always like they're fighting against the clock. I think that's one big challenge test takers face. Another analogy, match practice versus nets practice. Let's say when we are playing a match, cricket match, when we are playing in a match, our objective is to score runs. Even if it's an outside edge, even if someone missed a catch, as long as we got the runs, we are happy. When we are practicing in the nets, then it's the objective is not to score. Then the objective is to make sure that we are middling the ball, we are hitting the ball properly, we are working on our weaknesses, we are improving our strengths. So we're focusing on the process when we're in the nets, right? Yet, when it comes to the GMAT and these exams, many times what happens is people practice the same way as they would attempt questions on the test. Now, why is that? While in the test, our objective is to score. But while practicing, our objective is to learn. These are two very different objectives. And to treat them the same way is doing ourselves a very big injustice. I'll give you an example of this. Many people practice with time limits. On the exam, we'll have on average, let's say, two minutes per question. Therefore, I'm also going to practice with that two minutes deadline. Now, think about it, Saurabh. Is there any skill in life that we learn this way? Let's say, let's say when we learned how to drive a car. Did I go and tell my trainer that eventually I have to drive at 60 kilometers per hour? Therefore, teach me also at 60 kilometers per hour. Of course not, right? I don't want to get into accidents the very first day. No skill in life do we learn this way. If someone wants to learn the guitar, he's not going to look at an expert and then start playing like him the very first day. Yet, when it comes to these exams, we start with that time limit. We've kind of already told ourselves that the only challenge I have is the time limit and everything else is already sorted for us. That's another reason why people falter, right? So it's the whole idea of, I would say, sort of the mindset and the process that they follow. So yeah, I think these are some of the challenges that people face in terms of the mindset that they have when it comes to preparing for these tests and the process that they follow. And, and that's so right, Anish. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more because it is it is similar for so many career-related decisions as well. You know, a lot of people just try to create a template around uh, their entire career journey. And that template usually comes from somebody else's template, right? Uh, I, I remember, uh, you know, writing a small article of a couple of, well, actually four or five years ago, uh, The Trodden Path. And it got quite a few uh, views as well. Like, everyone wants the best for themselves and they all want something unique for themselves but they are not willing to move out of the trodden path and it is the same for uh, you know test prep as well because you are following what people have said online yes i am you know that's it's amazing that you have so many resources online today but you don't kind of give importance to the fact that it's a very personalized journey and you need to self-evaluate your strengths and weaknesses before embarking on it and that is that is a challenge which most of the test takers face. Yes, we keep on hearing a lot of people scored, you know, 750 plus, 800, perfect score, whatnot. But then again, how many of those people are there? 
uh, how many people are there who did not even score close to what they were scoring in their mock tests bang on saurabh i mean this is something i always share with my students who do you think is more likely to share their journey online a person who eventually had a successful outcome or a person who didn't succeed eventually right so anyway the kind of data that we are seeing everywhere is biased most of the stories that we hear about from people are success stories they might have taken a long time and they might have struggled throughout but they eventually came out on top we seldom hear stories about people who struggled and then eventually maybe gave up or they're still struggling or something different from quote unquote success and based on these limited biased opinions we then paint a picture of the entire world that oh everyone is succeeding except for me which anyway is not true very nice to hear all those uh, insights from you anish and uh, i have had similar experiences thank you so much for being here anish it was such a pleasure having you here my pleasure saurabh thanks for having me are you thinking of an mba but don't understand if it is the right decision get yourself assessed from sn mentors at sn mentoring we assess all the aspects of your profile including your personality aptitude interests education and work experience background we use our unique personal factor assessment to help you find your best fit career pathway this assessment will answer all your queries and provide you a clear pathway ahead at sn mentoring all our clients become our friends for life so join our community Okay 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 we come to the next section of our podcast the listener questions section this is where i get to answer the questions that you have sent across to me first question which is more beneficial for an engineering graduate gmat or gre this question is asked by sarthak who is an engineering student from lucknow sarthak thank you so much for asking this question let me tell you that both gmat and gre have a lot of areas where they overlap if we talk about the curriculum it is similar if we talk about the preparation time required it is similar and if we talk about the number of b schools or universities accepting these scores that is also similar across the world but then for an engineering student there are some nuances you might take into consideration see both gmat and gre they have a validity of 5 years now gmat is primarily accepted by b schools or universities which are offering management programs these management programs might or might not require work experience in your profile you might also apply to young leaders programs um or programs uh, similar to that offered by harvard or isb wherein you can apply as a student but join the program if you get selected after around 2 years of work ex so what should you take then Well a GRE score will also help you in applying to a masters program in the US which might not be related to management so if you're looking for masters in engineering or journalism psychology or anything else for that matter a GRE score is highly useful in the US not only the US actually there are some universities in Canada and elsewhere which also would prefer that you have a GRE score so that they can evaluate your academic potential in a better manner so sarthak if you are looking at programs which are not only management based then gre makes more sense 
But if you are looking at management-based programs, I would recommend go for GMAT. It is a more holistic test, according to me, as compared to the GRE when it comes to B-School admissions. Next question. What should be the ideal duration of preparation for GMAT or CAT? Okay. Well, this question is asked by Ayushi from Delhi. Ayushi, for CAT prep or GMAT prep, there is no ideal duration, to be honest. All right. Some people um, are able to perform very well after just a couple of months of preparation. Some people don't even go for classes or complete the curriculum as test prep uh, companies will tell you. They just go for sample papers and they're good to go. Some people require more than a year of preparation. It all depends on you. And that is what Anish and I, we have been discussing today, that do understand where you come from. Do you have the right skills to attempt a standardized test right now or not? Do you have the right preparation, the right problem-solving mindset, and so on, so that you can judge for yourself in a much better holistic manner whether two months or 20 months is something that you're looking for. However, ideally speaking, a GMAT or a GRE preparation for a working professional should take around three and a half to four months. Well, that assumes that you will be working on the test uh, for at least six days a week, two hours every working day and around six hours on the weekend. So I hope that answers your question, IUC. If you want more clarity on it, you can definitely contact us. You can contact me. You can contact Anish. The details are given in the show notes. Last question for today. Is it possible to get a waiver for these tests? I am bad as test taking. Arvind from Vizag. Arvind, that is such an important question. Thank you so much for asking that. And I think we kind of missed out on this in the episode discussion itself. So, are there programs out there in the world which accept candidates without having any standardized tests like GMAT or GRE? Yes, there are such programs. In fact, just last year, one of our clients who had more than 10 years of experience working in uh, IT and uh, pharmaceutical companies as an HR business partner, applied to a top 100 uh, B-School in the UK and got through with a scholarship. So a few things over here, what you need to understand. Um, during the pandemic, especially, a lot of B-Schools have actually waived the requirement of uh, having a standardized uh, test score of GMAT or GRE. But having said that, it is still highly recommended if you are good at taking the test, if you can understand it, if you can do it well, all right? Let me also tell you that most B-schools will not keep a very specific limit on the GMAT score that they are expecting from their applicants. They will give you a range, all right? And mostly you have to look at the uh, median score, uh, median GMAT score of the class uh, of the previous year to understand, okay, what kind of GMAT score is suitable for such a B-school. But if you're not going for a standardized test, then I will highly recommend that you at least go for an English proficiency test. Because an English proficiency test will at least guarantee that you have the minimum understanding of the English language which the school requires you to have. You can take the TOEFL or IELTS Academic. It's completely up to you. But yes, even if you do not have a standardized test score, you can get into a top global B-School, especially during the pandemic. However, when it comes to Indian MBA programs, well, the top 30 programs will probably not accept you without having a standardized test score. 
you can look at tier two and tier three programs. They might have their own, um, they, they do have their own admissions processes and they do have their own eligibility criteria, which sometimes does not require a GMAT, GRE or CAT score. Thank you so much, Arvind, for asking that question. A standardized test will test various aspects of your profile. It will test your problem solving skills, critical reasoning, comprehension of text, data, visuals, and your logical reasoning skills. All these aspects are crucial to becoming a good manager or a strategist, and they contribute in you becoming a good leader. So do not take the training or learning for a standardized test lightly. It is killing you for life. As Anish rightly says, test taking is a multi-layered decision. Get yourself assessed, plan well, and put efforts in learning rather than hacking. Thank you for listening to the Best Fit Careers podcast. We would love to hear from you. So please provide your comments, feedback, and questions to us through email or messages on our social media. Please subscribe to us and like our episodes if you found value in them and share them with others who may benefit from this information. Best Fit Careers has been designed to provide you the best information possible to solve your career queries. This podcast is the culmination of years of experience and thousands of hours of counseling, research and guidance sessions. Please find more amazing information at the SN Mentoring online publication. See you in the next episode. Happy careers to you.